When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. Hello and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. I have a very special show for you guys today. I say that every episode, don't I? Well, you know what? Today it's true because we have Heather Halla Thompson from The Real Houses in New York on Everything Iconic. She's also got a new podcast called In My Heart with Heather Thompson. Subscribe, check that out. I had such a fun time chatting with her. We talked about all the Roni stuff, but also we got to dive in or we dove in. Dive, dove, doved. <laughs> That's not the right word, verbiage, but you guys know what I'm saying. Um, we got to get into all the fashion stuff, and that was so fascinating to me because, you know, she's worked with Beyonce and J-Lo and uh, so many different people. So that was really fascinating to me. I hope you guys enjoy the chat as much as I did. Before I play the interview, I want to say please find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to buy one of the Everything Iconic t-shirts or we have wine glasses or we also have fancy AF cocktail books, you can go to everythingiconic.store, everythingiconic.store. And then I mentioned this on the last episode, but if you want to subscribe to the Patreon page, you get access to the bonus episodes. I do one bonus episode a month. So if you want to listen to a sample of one of those bonus episodes, I put it in the main feed. It's a recap of season one, episode one of Sex in the City. So that was on the last episode of Everything Iconic. So check that out. And if you want to support this podcast and get access to those bonus episodes, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Everything Iconic and just donate $4 or more per month. Thank you, thank you. So without further ado, I want to play my chat with Heather Holla Thompson. Uh, please enjoy, subscribe to our podcast, find her on social media, all that good stuff. I love you all. We'll be back with a Real Housewives of Potomac recap next week. We, I still haven't quite figured out what I'm going to do in terms of the recaps. I know I said I was going to do Orange County. Uh, we don't know. Unsure, unclear. I don't, we might not be. I think we might just be doing Salt Lake City and Potomac. So um, I don't know. Subscribe to Everything Iconic, and you'll get all the new episodes that way. So you'll figure it out then when you get it in your newsfeed. I love you all. Love you, love you, love you. Uh, okay, bye-bye. Yeah, 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 yeah. Heather, 
truly, what a delight for me. How are you doing? Hi, Danny. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. You know, I've always been a fan, but I don't know if you've noticed this, but I feel like within the past year or so, there's been a real like groundswell of love for you. Have you have you felt that at all from Bravo fans? I have. I really, really have. It was like, um, I don't know what it was that did it. Um, I don't know. Maybe they missed me. <laughs> oh, I miss. We missed you so much, Heather. When you popped up in that one episode at the Berkshires, it was so exciting to see you. I feel like... Uh, I, I said this on the podcast before. I feel like we're we were missing this season's like a voice of reason on the show, and you always were like level headed, um, but you could still throw it down if like somebody pissed you off. And so you know, I think fans looking back on your time, we we miss you so much. Oh, thank you. I think that you know it's part of who I've always been as a person. You know, this right and left brain kind of phenomenon, like. I both have logic and creativity (laughs) and I work with both of them and I try to apply that in my life generally. Right. Do you have a lot of people coming up to you and yelling holla or, or Hey, Hey mama. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean all the time. It's, it's amazing what that has been. I mean, literally it makes people want to, you know, slit their wrists (laughs) and it makes people like jump for joy and, and be filled with joy. And so it's funny because, I mean, I find myself to be uh, obnoxious with it. You know, it's like obnoxious because it's now like Bravo and the guys at Bravo, they're like, let's just like, you know, will you do a Lean Halloween in. thing? And I'm like, oh, the things I do for you people. But it's just funny because it's harmless annoyance and it's harmless. And right. to just see how easy it is to get someone upset over, you know what I mean? Like right. a call out, you know, no, like, no, all of that, like. Heather, it's pure joy. And in this time, particularly, we need the pure joy. So please don't ever stop. Um, I actually have, I, I meant to bring it out with me. I have a mama mug. Like it's one of those home goods mugs and it says mama. Um, and I always call it my Heather Thompson mug. It's my, hey, mama. Oh my gosh. I love that. I mean, I learned, I mean, that's part of my life, that word ma, mama, you know, just, it has to do with my, my history and, and, you know, the circles that I ran in and just, you know, it's such a term of endearment to me. I mean, I've actually been accused of like not knowing anybody's name and that's why I call everybody mom. I'm like, no, that's not it. Just who you are. (laughs) Uh, How are the kids speaking of mama? We got to see a lot of Jax's journey on the show. Jax is my number one Jax on Bravo. I don't count the other one. And so I... Exactly. I'm curious he's how he's doing. Imposter Jacks. I always said to him, "I'm like your name is not even really Jacks. You made it up." Right, and he's trash. Um, but but I feel flattered. No, he's great. Um, so the kids are both doing amazing. I have teenagers now. So when oh. I left the show, I had little babies. I had little kids. You know, Ella was like maybe four. And so now I have teenagers and it's very different around here. Um, they're both doing great. We made some life decisions and, you know, we're still New Yorkers and our apartment in New York is there, but we decided to um, take a hiatus from the city and try a different school up here in the Berkshires and a different experience um, just because the city is going through hardships and I have two young teenagers and we're on the Upper West Side and there's a lot of stuff on the Upper West Side happening. And we have this home in the Berkshires and, you know, after 9-11, you know, everybody had their contingency plans, you know, set. And we always said, if anything ever happens, we'll go to the Berkshires. Well, here we are. Where were you? Uh, Forgive me if this is a little too heavy of a question, but where were you uh, on 9-11? Were you working in the city? Yes, 
I was, and it's not too heavy a question. It's like, I think our stories, you know, our experiences are what mold us. Um, I was living in New York city at the time. My, my best friend, who's still a dear, dear friend of mine. She's still with us. Thank God. Um, Jody worked at windows on the world. So we were roommates for years so I knew the staff at Windows on the World. I mean, I would always go up there with her because she was a catering manager there. And, um, you know, Michael Delmonico was the chef. And, I mean, it was just a very uh, close-knit group of restauranteurs and event people. So I knew the people there very well. And when the building, when the first tower, uh, the plane went into the first tower, I had gotten a phone call from my girlfriend, Eileen, and she's like, something's going on, turn on the news. And I watched the first plane hit the first tower. And right, we were like, where's Jody? Where is Jody? I'm going to have the chills right now telling you this story. And we didn't find her for some time. She was uh. in the subway when the first plane hit. Uh. And then when the second tower fell, she was, you know, covered in debris. She was one of those that, you know, didn't have any shoes. She, you know, was lost. And then she ultimately lost almost every single person that she worked with. Uh. So... It's still, it's still a trap. Obviously it's still a um, healing wound for Jody. I mean, she has a brain tumor, cancerous brain tumor. Um, You know, she's has a post-traumatic stress from nine 11. She's dealt with anxiety. Uh, So has Eileen. I've watched some of my girlfriends really have such reverb from that unbelievably dark day. The uh, the mental effect of it. I mean, of course the physical too, but it's just, um, you know, I'm someone who suffers with anxiety and depression and, and and yeah, I can't imagine the mental toll something like that takes. Um, uh, Okay. So a little bit lighter, Um, you have the podcast. So can you explain to me, there was like a little bit of a controversy or something, right? Like I, I didn't know what happened. It was called, it was it called in my head and now it's in my heart, which I love both yes. names, but um, yeah. can you explain yeah. what well, happened? The second name is actually better. I mean, sometimes when, you know, you're forced to take a deeper look or a closer look at something, you come up with a better solution anyway. So when you trademark a name and your name is involved in that name, it, you know what I mean? It, it gives, right. it gives it some, uh, some legs for a lot of people to use it. Um, in my head was always what I called it because it really, like all the things that whirl around in my head, I have all these thoughts. I'm an overthinker, you know, maybe even an existentialist. Sometimes I like, think a lot. And, um, what's your sign by the way? Aries. Okay. Just curious. I don't know okay. if you can define yourself as that, but maybe no, I just no, think yeah. a lot about a lot of things and I'm very curious about a lot of things. And so really being on the show, I felt like, there were so many pieces of me that I didn't get to express, you know, and that's because you're on a TV show and they have their, their agenda or whatever. And that was fine with me, but I had all these other pieces that I wanted to express that I was working on and growing on. And I have, you know, amazing conversations with amazing people. And I wanted to just share all that, the questions I had. And especially right now with, we're so opinion based. We're so divided on opinion. Obviously, politics. I mean, I crave the old days of you know Walter Cronkite mm-hmm. when he just told you what was happening, and then you got to make your own you know opinion. And so, in my head, really started in the fact that most of us live in the center. We have this right and we have this left, but most people that I know, we live in the center. We lean on issues, you know, but we're- And I think on social media, you can get a little confused about that because on social media, you're either seeing one extreme or the other. Right. Exactly. So it was kind of to, the the podcast started in the concept of 
trying to bring almost two sides of a topic where you really had a right and you really had a left, um, but that there was a center that we would leave with some type of understanding of our own, that we can draw our own conclusions. And it turned into, as we talked about that, it was like most of the things that I was thinking about. It's like, you know, and then they're like, well, that's curious. I never thought about that. So it may not have been necessarily something that everybody wanted to hear about, but it was my need and desire to learn more about it or learn more about a person or learn more about an experience. That's what teaches you the life lessons. So it got, that was, that's how, how it came to in my head. Now there are several podcasts that are in my head with so-and-so or so-and-so's in my head. There's songs, there's videos, there's albums, there's a lot of it. Um, But one woman uh, took uh, offense, if you will, uh, to my, using of in my head nobody else's but mine because of the platform that I stand on and um it was hurtful to her like she felt truly as though someone had stolen something I mean she went as far as to say that I did um I am in total legal right to use the name you know that we had I chose to you chose to shift exactly because that was a decision that I made I wanted to move out of her way so that she could stop feeling like that. I have felt that way before. I'm a patented inventor. I've had people knock me off. I didn't knock her off. I'm not my my podcast and hers are totally different. One has nothing to do with the other, but to clear up any confusion that she may have felt, it was easy for me to make the decision, especially given her pain. You know, she was in such, and, and so it was, it was an easy and, and in my heart, it's great too. It's a great, it's a great title too. So it's yeah. great. Um, yeah, okay, so, so you had some re-recording, and here we are. Yeah, it's easy. Off and running again. Um, so you had, you've had Carol on the show. You just had Dorinda on the show. You had um, Adam Glassman. Is that how you say his name? Yes. Right. From he's always on the View. I love when I see him on the View. Yeah. He does the View Your Deals. Um, and you had Tina Knowles on. Of course, Tina Knowles is a, a queen, an icon, and a legend. Um, who else is on your dream guest list? Well, I have so many people coming up. You know, there's so many exciting podcasts. It's really about not necessarily a dream guest in as much as, yes, that works because life experience, people who have vast life experience and really amazing stories to tell where we can say, hey, I'm going to use that in my life. Hey, I'm going to have that in my back pocket now. Uh But it's also about topics and subject matter. Right. Like, one of my things is meditation. You know, I always, I've always been told that those people who are as fast as I am, like need it the most, but it was always like very impossible for me to do. And so I've been on this journey of meditation for many years and I have found that some of the rules that I've been told don't apply. And so I bring people in and I ask them that question all the time. Right. You know what I mean? So like, right. so it's a topic, it's a subject, it's a person. So some of the people you'll, you'll never have heard of, but when you listen to them on the podcast, right. you're like, wow, that is a really cool person, man. Right. You know what I mean? So there will be celebrities and there will be big it's names. It's a good mix. It's a good mix of people and, and Roni fans, of course, can come for that stuff. But yeah. I, I think there's a lot of other great stuff too. And and speaking of the Roni stuff, there was a an episode with Carol where you guys had talked about the trips on Roni and there was something that was in the episode that I was truly shocked by. You guys talked about drug use on the vacations. And yeah. first of all, I was shocked that it was in because you're, it's produced by Embassy Row, which also produces Watch What Happens Live. Your podcast is. Yeah. Um, and so did you get any backlash about that? No, I mean, I didn't say anything that 
that hasn't already been said. Right. Do you know what I mean? This is, I mean, we're talking like six years ago. Yeah. And the truth be told is, my issue was never, I, I wouldn't even have an issue. Like the pirate was there. It was the fact that Luann wanted me to say there was a bunch of Italians there and not the pirate. So what she did with the pirate, what was happening with the pirate, that was not my concern. It wasn't my doing. I was talking about it in relativity to getting my housewife's cherry popped. Right. Like that was my first trip. And I was really talking about it in the context of how surprised I was. I came onto a show that had already had three seasons of history. And when I sat at a dinner with Sonia and, and Luann one night, they were having a fight based on past before me. And they were yelling at each other and accusations were flying about this drug and that guy and this. And I was literally like, holy shit. Right. Like you know, this is intense. Crazy. But I also have said in the same sentence, Luann is one of my funnest party friends. Like I love hanging out with her and partying. I've had some of my fun, you know, my most memorable, you know, nights in New York city with Luann. So, so so those nights out, so those nights out, shocking. Yeah. But so those nights out, was there, was it just alcohol? Did you see a lot of other things? Like what was going on? What do you want me to do? Talk about like cocaine and heroin and like mushrooms? Like <laughs> that's what we need I mean, to know. are we really shocked about like narcotics in our country today? Like, mm. I mean, like, are you worried about like you've never heard of anyone throwing back a rail? Like, what can I say? I mean, this is not a big deal. Well, I I think it's surprising because there's been times in the Housewives franchise, not just on New York, where there's been uh, sort of like people dipping their toe. I think in one of the reunions, uh, Sonia had said, Dorinda, of course you do drugs. Like that was something that came out of one of the reunions Um, or married to medicine. There was a cocaine accusation. And so I find it fascinating because I do feel like we as an audience do believe some of these things happen, but we, it's not something that has been necessarily showcased on the show. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it's hard for them. I mean, we're, we're talking like six years ago. It'd be hard for a producer to show me smoking a joint. Right. They, they, they were illegal back then. Do you know what I mean? Like right. there's a lot of stuff that gets edited out of the show. A lot of stuff. And there's yeah. a lot of stuff that makes it in the show. And also the, the franchises are different. They have different production companies. They play by different, different vibes. I mean, I remember watching one of the first seasons of Beverly Hills and like Brandy Glanville and the Richard sisters were like on this big fight because like Brandy was accusing them of this and that or whatever. I mean, it's whether they're accusations, whether they're truths or not, I don't think anybody should be shocked in this day and age that like, People, you know, do cocaine, that people, you know, uh, party with, you know, hallucinogenics or smoke pot and also drink alcohol. I don't think it's really a big deal. Um, Okay, so uh, you worked with Beyonce, of course, and I'm endlessly fascinated by her. And I wonder what she's like, because I I feel like we as an audience, of course, I worship her. Um, But we've seen a very shy side to her. Um, usually when she's on interviews, she seems very shy and reserved. And then, of course, on stage, she's this phenomenal, badass, amazing presence. Um, but I wonder what she's like just sort of in a business meeting or or on a phone call. Is there anything you yeah, can tell us? Yeah, I, I love the, this question. So for anybody who's a Beyonce fan, they know that she has an alter ego, Sasha Fierce. And that's who you see on the stage. You know, Beyonce does not walk into a room, like, commanding, like, power She's a really humble, beautiful person. And she walks in the room just like any other person. And 
you know, very different than some celebrities that you may find out there. In her own head, she doesn't feel like her feet aren't touching the ground. Like she's very grounded. She doesn't walk in the room and think like, oh, all these people are here with me. Right. She's very grounded. And I have to credit Tina and Matthew, you know what I mean, for that. But um, so Beyonce's stage persona and, you know, what you see out there is, a, is her creative artistic expression. And the person that you see on interviews is Beyonce. Right. You know, so she's like an art form of herself. Yeah, that's amazing. And I don't know about you, but I have Black is King on replay in my house. I and mean, my kids are like, you're obsessed. It's such a beautiful, beautiful yeah. piece of work. I truly feel like lucky that we have her because there's not a lot of talent out there that does what she does. There's no one that does what she does. And I, I I seriously was in the shower listening to her music the other day. And I was just thinking like, oh my God, we're lucky. Like we're lucky that we get this. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, she's worked really hard. I mean, one of the lines in one of her songs is, is like, you know, I never get a break. You know, I work hard. All, and it's, ve- it's really true. One of the things that I don't think people ever realize um, entirely is, you know, I can talk to my three celebrities, Jennifer Lopez, you know, Puffy and... Beyonce, they work hard. Right. And I mean, really fucking hard. Around the like clock. Every single day. Like, they're not like out like enjoying all their money. I mean, they work hard every single day. Beyonce is one of the hardest working entertainers that I know. Right. You know what I mean? She really puts everything into it and she does all these, you know, cool things kind of behind the scenes and she has all these great you know, this great team around her, but like every single thing, I mean, we can talk about the art and the statues and everything in those, in that video, that, you know, artistic expression of her writing and then her music visual side of it. It's not like she showed up at a house and it was all there. Right. Right. In terms of celebrity clothing, like what, what did you learn about like what makes a good celebrity clothing brand? Like there, I'm sure you have so many lessons. Yeah. authenticity. Authenticity. Yeah. It's what people want in life. They want the real deal. Puffy and I were so successful, you know, with the, with the clothing that we created for Sean John because Puffy and his contemporaries pulled it right off the shelves the way it was. It wasn't like I made him and his in leather and then what was on the shelf at Macy's was faux leather. It was, it was the right clothes. They had beautiful integrity. They were well-designed and that is what wins when you right. have the entertainer or the celebrity truly involved in the collection, not just putting their name on it. Right. So, so who just puts their name on it? Authenticity is the answer to success in that field for is there, a celebrity. Is there someone you you uh, almost worked with in terms of that field that you were like close to working with that it just didn't quite work out? Could you tell yeah, us a that? couple? So Gwen Stefani. Um, would be the bigger celebrity that I was talking to. I never met with Gwen, but I was speaking to her people about moving on to um, her her company. Um, I never worked for Donna Karen, although I almost did. But, you know, I had Ralph and I had Calvin and, you know, I've had some, some you know, it doesn't all work yeah. out all the time. But those are two that, you know, I was... I was interested in, in working with. And who's a designer that you like to wear that matches most closely with like your style? Like, is there, is there one designer that you love? Well, there's a, there's the two girls that I have really always loved their style. Um, they started in the denim business and I also am an, you know, an expert in denim design and creation and finish. Um, and they had a uh, brand called current Elliot 
and it's the two, their two last names. And they've gone on to create another fashion company called The Great. You could go to thisisthegreat.com and check it out. It's really beautiful, like every day, kind of like, it's a little boho chic, you know what I mean? And just easy. And I really, I really love their, I love their aesthetic and what they stand for. Uh, speaking of branding, we saw you working with Sonia with the toaster oven. At what point in that process did you think like, oh, this is all bullshit. <laughs> this is not working with her. Probably at the end. Yeah. Honestly, like when we finished the photo shoot and, you know, the box was ready to go, but I couldn't, I could never get her to really produce a toaster oven. I could never get, you know, information about production and, you know, where are we now that the artwork is done? We've got to send the artwork to get the boxes made and we need to have a, you know, a plan for retail, you know, rollout. What are we doing? And it just can never get any answers. And I realized, well, I delivered what I said I would. Yeah. And I just kind of like let it go. So I really, really did believe that um, she wanted to do that. I really did. One of these days I'll have to truly ask. Do you, do you have um, the box? Do I what? Do you have the box? I have the photography. Uh, we need, you should post it online on Instagram or something. I, I will. Think. I have we, the photography. I oh my God. We'd frame, love to see it. I have a couple of the takeouts um, and I was going to frame one and give it to Andy for the clubhouse. <sighs> You should totally do that, Heather. Do oh my that. God, we'll love it. Me. I will. If we see it on Instagram. Okay, so talk to me about leaving the show. Was it your decision? Was it a mutual decision? How did that happen? It was my decision, uh, you know, initially when I went in to talk to Andy. Um, you know, but he like got it. Like he, you know, I, I mean, I think they would have had me stay, you know, but he also understood why I wanted to leave. You know, I, I really was juggling a lot at the time. Um, I mean, so much more than anyone really even knows, you know, I was like feuding with my business partner. I mean, it was like really a difficult environment and I was really running, like I was working three full-time jobs plus being a mom. Um, and I had people that answered that needed me, you know, to be their leader. So Mm -hmm. I had, you know, I had people that were relying on me that I felt was responsible for. So when I looked at this. I looked at the show three seasons in. I really felt as though there had been a beginning, a middle, and an end for me. I felt like that last season, you know, I was restricted in so many ways. My partner wouldn't let me film at Yummy. I, you know what I mean? Which I sold that business. You know, right. consequently, um, you know, I it, I really felt like less of a cast member and more than like a tag along. You know, it really wasn't mm. about my storyline and my life and what they were seeing was such a small piece of me that I felt like why I joined the show to begin with, like all of those things had dissipated. They were watered down. Yeah. And so I decided it was time for me to, you know, just move on. So when you, when you you talked, I think it was the right decision because you've got to listen to your gut. Right. You know, when I woke up one day and I thought about filming and I was like, Oh, I'm like, yeah. then why am I doing why it? Why are you doing it? 
All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. So when you look at Dorinda, you guys just had a conversation on your show. Uh, are you are you excited about what what's to come next for her? Because now she's just sort of newly in it. Uh, I'm curious what your take is on all of that with Dorinda. 100%. I, I'm so... Because it's not about like leaving the show. It's not about, it's like, it's about the idea of having an experience and that experience is in your rear view mirror, rear view mirror and what is ahead of you. And listen, Dorinda and Carol were on the show for a lot longer than I was, but I said to both of them, I was excited when, when you left, not for the viewers, not for the show, not for those reasons. Personally, because there is a, a normalcy that you gain back there. You know, the, the show and Dorinda explained it even better than I recognized when I was in it. It really truly can be all encompassing. Right. And, you know, I think it's up to you once you have that wisdom and you realize it, then you could say, wait, do I want to control the show or do I want it to control me? Like, is it a job or is it my life? Like, wh- you know what I mean? Like, what is it? Right. And I think when it comes to a reality show, it's hard to separate those things unless you've had life experience and the time on the show. I mean, I think I'll use Ramona as a really perfect example. Like it, she separates them, even though she's been on it and, you know, Ramona is who you see and she could care less what people think about her. You know, she really has this like armor that she unapologetically walks in her own truth and light, whether you like it or not. Right. But then she goes home and she doesn't, I mean, I've had Turns conversations, many conversations with Ramona off the show. We don't talk about the show. Right. Right. You know, so I think it can happen. I think Dorinda was saying it became all encompassing for her and that's what made it weird when she left. But if she just thinks for a second, there's a whole big life out there. Right. Uh, so Bethany, you guys had a weird sort of relationship. Do you guys ever run into each other? What's the vibe between you now? Is there any? Yeah, we, I almost think the relationship got weirder, you know, funny enough. Like when Bethany and I met on the show, I had done her talk show. You know, we obviously had a lot in common in terms of women and, you know, business and things like that. But because of that reason, it was obvious that we were going to, you know, it, like when you think about the show in its form, that right. she was going to come out with like gun for me. Like I wouldn't be her choice of a best friend. Now I don't play the, I don't, I don't like, you know, show up to the game like that. You know, right. I, I really like 
relationships to organically happen or unfold and I didn't force it. I felt she forced the conflict a little bit between us when we were on the show and I got it. Right. And so then I just reacted to her naturally. If I thought she was right or it was a good idea, fine. If I thought it was bad or she was acting like a know-it-all, I would tell her. Um, But then I think when she and Carol's friendship broke up, you know what I mean? I feel like maybe she felt like I chose a side or took a side. I, I don't, that's not who I am as a person. I, I form my own opinions. Just the fact of the matter is, is I have a relationship with Carol and I don't have one with Bethany. And that's where it stands. And how's Carol doing now? She's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Raz so- is great. You know, she's working and she's doing her skincare, which she loves. You know what I mean? She's, she's um, a consultant for um, Violet Gray. And so she gets to write. I mean, she always has been very obsessed with skincare and her skin. And she's traveling a lot. She's getting outside of her comfort zone in New York City. She bought a car and she's traveling and checking out places. And yeah, she's a, Raz is a good one. You know, she's a good one. So there's all this um, in 2020 now, everyone's looking at the network in particular and saying, um, you know, people want changes, particularly on a franchise like New York City, where they're saying uh, we should have more diversity, which I completely agree with. And I believe you've said, I've heard you, uh, I think on your podcast or in interviews say that you had actually recommended certain women to join the franchise that were women of color. Um, what do you, why, why hasn't it happened? Or, or what are your thoughts on that, the call for diversity? I think there's a simple answer to it, but I don't think the answer is a good one anymore. And I think at the oh. beginning... It was truly the way the show was designed was these were people that knew one another. These were people that they didn't necessarily have to be best friends, but they had to live in some certain sort of circle. There had to be a connection. And I really believe on our franchise, I can talk to it about our show, the producers stayed true to that. They didn't force necessarily, in my experience, someone in just because they thought they'd fit. They, they They wanted to have some sort of connection. But I feel like maybe they realized that the rule wasn't, and I'm just obviously speculating, but that the rule didn't really make that much sense because there could be a fraction of an interchange that was good enough for the, them to invite the person onto the show. So I think they started to look at maybe what was right for the show. And diversity is right for the show. Diversity is New York City. Right. You know what I mean? Like... And I, hopefully we represent that in, you know, the future of this great country that we live in more and more and more. Would you ever go back or do you think you're not, you're, you're good? You know, I never say never to the, I get to ask this question. We want lot. you back, Heather. We want you there. Go back, thank please. You, thank you. You know, it is, it's a lot of work. The show, people think we just like show up. I mean, it is, it is a lot, a big commitment. It's a lot of time. Um, you know, I I've, I've gone back every year since I've left pretty much. I've made a cameo and, you know, I stay in touch with people and I have relationships. You know, I always say that if I could add to the entertainment value of the show or come in because I have a history with the people on the show that I would always do that. You know right. what I mean? As far as holding a golden apple, I don't even know if we do that anymore full time. I don't know. You know do, what I mean? I don't know. Do you know, know Leah? Right do you now know, it would be hard to swing. Do you know Leah? I don't. I only met her one time at Ramona's house. I, I mean, at like, Dorinda's house. I feel like there'd be a good connection with the fashion stuff again, like, because you have, of course, a lot of history with that. I saw her filming with Kelly Catrone, and I, it's just popping in my head. Did you ever run in the same circles as Kelly Catrone in, like, the fashion world? No. 
Not really. You know, you have to remember. So I sold Yummy. I sold my fashion brand almost, I guess, three years ago. And so I'm working on a new fashion concept right now. But I've been really focused on the health and wellness field and, and building my nutrition brand. I see you on Instagram and I see you on Instagram and you're such an adventurer and it's just like, so it's so inspiring to see you climbing. And I I don't know, it's really inspiring. Thank you. It's um, important for us to uh, get outside and clear our minds and challenge our bodies and, and, and detach and check out of the world, especially with social media and all the things that we're doing. And so when I sold Yummy and I left the show, you know, I just needed, I needed an outlet for for Heather, you know what I mean? Like a little time for me. I was really feeling like I needed that. And listen, I'm a Berkshire girl. I've always been an outdoors girl. I've always been, you know, an avid skier. And, you know, I was a four letter varsity winner in high school. You know, I'm an athlete. I, I love to be working my body outside. So mountaineering was something that I had done around the Berkshires, you know what I mean? And then Colorado 14ers or whatever, but to actually really do big mountains, it was basically a challenge. My partner, Jeff, my climbing partner, Jeff Evans said to me, like, you'd never climb a mountain like Kilimanjaro. And I was like, what? Next thing you know, we were climbing up Mount Kilimanjaro. And so it, it just, it was fulfilling for all of us. It was an incredible epic trip, our Achilles trip. And so we've continued to do them every year. And so, you know, you guys can come, you know. I know, I'm going to have to come. I know, I want to come to one of them. I'm going to come to one of them. I want to. You're incredible. Okay, Heather, you've done all of this stuff. You've done all of these, you've had a, a lot of businesses. You mentioned you've had patents before. What, is there one piece of advice that most sticks out to you? I'm sure you have a million lessons you could share to young entrepreneurs, but is there like one thing or, or a couple of things that really you hold on to in terms of entrepreneurship? Yeah, I always say um, fail fast because failing is inevitable. It's inevitable. You're going to, but I don't like to use the word fail, you know, failing necessarily. I say fail fast, but one of the adages I've always used is it's only a mistake if you make it twice. The first Mm. time it's a lesson. So we need to learn our lessons and then we need to leave them behind, leave that experience, you know what I mean, behind and like, why did it happen? Or like, don't get too caught up in, you know, that you're getting, that you hit the mat. How did you get back up off the mat? And then how did you carry that suitcase of knowledge with you onto the next project and the next project and the next project? So you want failure, you want conflict, you want disagreements. Those things are what, you know, build character. That's what builds our life lessons and our wisdom. So don't be afraid of failure and don't have anyone tell you like, Oh, be very careful, you know, actually be open, open to failing. Yeah. Fearless. And you're, you're going to figure it out. You know, Heather, just talking to you, I didn't write this question down, but you're such a positive person. And now, especially I'm noticing that in so much in people when somebody is positive, because the way 2020 is, it beats us all down. And I feel like we're, I, I myself feel that way. I'm, I'm naturally a positive person, but it's been tough. And how do you stay positive? Does that make sense? Is that a silly yeah, question? It does make sense. I mean, I think that every single day is a new day. And 
we have takeaways from the day before. And, you know, I think that even with this horrible pandemic and the horrible division in our country, you know, I said this on my podcast with Dorinda, as much as sometimes you feel like things are upside down, they might just actually be writing themselves. Mm. And, you know, even with like Black Lives Matter and, and, you know, all this hate and the Republicans and the Democrats and, you know, the partisanship, I call it, I call uh, Trump the um, Windex administration because it is clear that we are divided. And for me, it's not really about policy. It's about values. We're, divi- we're, we're divided by our values. And so we need to address those things. It's not, it's not about policy. I mean, Republicans only have like really three things that they fight about. You know what I mean? And one of them is abortion. Like, what is it really, what's really going on here? And so I try to take the positive is that, you know, we've been talking about, you know, equality for, you know, black Americans, you know, since Selma. And we're still talking about it. When are we going to actually actionably, you know, make a change? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to say that there hasn't been huge, you know, progress. But I think right now with the Windex, you know, and all the windows are clear, people are grappling with the fact that they have different value systems than other people. And just because we're Americans doesn't mean we are built on the same values. Mm. And because you carry a different value system than I do doesn't make, it shouldn't be a situation where I hate you or you hate me. For me, I think that the, the timeliness and the opportunity is it's a, it's a, it's an opportunity for me to understand you. Right. You may not look like me, talk like me, you know, think like me, but by that very, you know, nature in itself, you give me pause to think about something differently. Mm or maybe have a new perspective on it. So I think we actually are in a moment in time that we have to really start to celebrate the differences that can bring us together where we can understand each other and let go of some of the differences that unfortunately are, some of them are are a product of an upbringing. Some of them are inbred. Some of it is our own education system here in this country and teaching history, maybe not like American history should be like, from kindergarten through 12th grade, American history, pop culture, current events, topics. I'm no teacher and I don't know the first thing about, uh, you know, like the curriculum, but I only know from my experience and my children, and they've had better educations than I did, you know, how much time we're spending on that. But the good news is, again, with all of this conflict, my daughter at 13 years old is so involved with this country and knowing what's happening. When I was a kid growing up, that was adults conversation. Right. Me that, too. That was not children's conversation. And you better goddamn well believe it is a child's conversation. And we better start teaching our children now at a young age about the division and about the politics and the corruption and all this shit. Like I didn't know about big right. food and big pharma till I was 40. Right. You know right. what I mean? It's, it's great. I mean, looking at the youth, that is one of those bright spots I think we can all see in 2020 where it feels like, okay, the youths are hopefully, they're grasping a lot of this stuff. So that's good. Yeah. That's so positive. as long as you, you know, you may feel hopeless and I think it's okay to grovel yeah. sometimes to be like, I feel like shit, God damn it. Right. And today's going to be a bad day. Hard. Yeah. Today's going to be a shitty day. I'm not going to get out of bed. It's okay to have those days. We all have yeah, those and days. Also, if you really allow yourself that, you don't stay in bed for long. Right. You know, unless you like, you really feel depressed and even that has, runs its course. 
You know what I mean? But most of the time, if you allow yourself the moment and you give yourself the permission to actually wallow in it and feel a little sorry for your fucking self, you know what I mean? You don't yeah. stay there for long. You're like, well, I can't stay in this bed forever. I'm going to hungry. I'm going to get up. And life starts to come. And you realize also, yeah. you know, you, we worry too much. We, we have to not worry so much because the universe does have our backs. And it, it, it is, there is a bigger plan. I believe in that. And that's my optimism. That's where it comes from. A bigger <laughs> picture. It's bigger than me, as Beyonce right. say. Bigger than you, bigger <laughs> than me. I also think there's something you said when, when it comes to friendships, I always appreciate when somebody, if I'm feeling like shit and I tell a friend I'm feeling like shit, I always appreciate when they say, oh, this sucks right now. Instead of trying to always pull me out of it. Sometimes I do need a friend to pull me out of it, but sometimes I just want them to say like, yeah, this sucks right now. Like just acknowledge that what you're going through is shitty. But there's every, you know, it's the pendulum swing of the world, right? I mean, I look at the world through the eyes of, you know, a pendulum. And, you know, we've been way too far one way, whether it's women's equality, voting rights, you know, equal, you know, rights, civil rights, like all this stuff. The pendulum goes this way and then it's going to come back this way. Now, if you're like a white man, you suck. You know what I mean? Like if you're a white boy, like you suck now because you've had it so much better than everybody else for so long that we got to put you on the bad side. But that's, na- that's nature. Eventually what happens with the pendulum is it slows, it steadies, it's fine, it finds its equilibrium and it lands where? In the the middle. Yeah. Right in the middle. And so you need that extremity. It's just, it's part of life. It ebbs and flows. But what we need to do, I think more as humans and for humanity is sit with it, reflect on it, try to understand the other side. When I look at politics today, I mean, honestly, like I'm so tired of everybody. You know what I mean? Like what can we don't even talk about the issues. We just talk about who's right and wrong or who's powerful and who's going to beat who can we really talk about the issues? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's you know, infuriating. I mean, we watch We need it. to get there again. Hopefully right. the youth will help us. I, I have hope because I watch my children. I love that. Heather, I could talk to you forever. I don't want to keep you much longer, but I do have a couple lightning round questions for you. Um, who would you choose if you were choosing for People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive? You can't choose Jonathan, although I think we can all agree that Jonathan, your husband, is very sexy. Um, but who would you choose? Uh, that's a, I haven't gotten to think about that question in a long time. I might have to go with some of my old school loves when I was a kid. Like, my, like oh, I thought like Brad Pitt and Rob Lowe were like the hottest, you know, Tom Cruise used to be very hot to me, yeah. you know what I mean, when he was younger. Um, you know, but I would probably say Brad. I'm going to give it up for Brad Pitt. I mean, I still to this day, Brad is the hottest person in the world. Like he's still, he's the hottest guy yeah, out there. And, like, I, and I, I love Brad Pitt. I love what he stands for. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's a human being and he, I don't know, man, he's, and he's pretty cute. I wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating crackers. No, Sorry, John. Would I. <laughs> um, what, uh, I ask everyone their favorite Mariah Carey song. Do you have a favorite Mariah Carey oh. song? I know you worked with Jake. <laughs> Deeper than I ever dream of. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, such yeah, a because class, we would so. have to we would have to do a carpool karaoke on that one, but I would need to warm up. Right, right, right. She's got so <laughs> many great songs, but so I think many. that's the one that I probably sang to the most to see if I could actually hit her octave range. It's scary in my car with me when that song's playing. Right. I know that last note is amazing. Okay. Um, now that we're just uh mentioning it, how about J Lo and Beyonce? Do you have a favorite of their songs? 
Wow. So Beyonce's new work right now is blowing my mind. Amazing. So I, Black is King, the entire, entire work of art to me is just that. It's magnificent. Um, Jennifer's, I think some of Jennifer's earlier stuff is what I have an affinity for. Not so much because I think the music is better than her newer music, but I watched Jen become a vocalist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she wasn't born with like a God-given nightingale voice. She really worked at it. And so I remember when she launched on the six, you know, that was really, that was a big deal for her. I have the chills actually thinking about it because she was just becoming a triple threat. You know what I mean? She was the dancer, but she really wanted to be the singer and she's working in acting and it was very vulnerable time for her. You know what I mean? And she didn't get like rave reviews on every song, but I love that album because it represents courage Right. It represents standing, you know, up and standing out. And and now yeah. if you look at her music from then to now. Yeah, it's it's changed. But by the way, Waiting for Tonight from that album is one of the greatest pop songs of all time, I believe. I think it's like, and it's really like a, in the gay community, I remember one of the first times I ever went to a gay bar, it was like hearing Waiting for Tonight. I'm like, oh my God, this is great. <laughs> great. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And I also have like affinity for songs because of the videos I worked on, like, I worked on Jenny from the block, you know what I mean? And that I remember the production and working on the videos and getting the puffer jackets with the hoods. And, you know, I worked on, um, um, to the left, what's the one that Beyonce song? I can't think of the title. Irreplaceable. Irreplaceable. Irreplaceable, Thank you. If I sang it, I would hit me. I worked on the video for, I mean, I worked on a lot of videos, but I remember, I love that song and then working on the video and the chains flying and the boxes and, you know, I mean, like, so when I you have worked, a lot of memories. So when you worked on those videos, you were putting the outfits together on those videos? What were you yeah. doing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, that must have been so fun. I worked with um, a lot of amazing, talented people in my career. I've worked with stylists of the likes of June Ambrose and Andrea Lieberman. And, you know, I've worked with amazing, incredible talents and as their creative director for their fashion houses, I just leaned into everything. If it was a concert tour, if it was a music video, if it was a movie production, you know, we leaned in together. I became part of that styling team too. Is there a look that you've worked on, whether it be from music videos or even your own time on Roni or an artist that you love the most? Like, was there one look you put together or helped work on that you well, love the I most? Well, I feel like one of the most famous wasn't really that fancy in terms of fashion, but it was when Jennifer and Puffy were dating and they went to the MTV Music Awards together and she wore um, white low rise Frankie B jeans and a cropped Sean John bedazzled top and the bandana. I put, I bedazzled that shirt. I put the whole outfit together. Puffy wanted her and Sean John for that award ceremony. And I, we were not designing women's clothes at the time. So we didn't have, so I had to make all these custom pieces for her. I made her like a suede jumpsuit. I made all kinds of, all kinds of stuff. I mean, I was up all night long and he was like, he picked what he wanted her to wear. And he liked the bedazzled Sean John with the jeans and the bandana. Like he liked that look. And I had to like bedazzle. I usually, I literally like was using a Norelco stutter because Uh. I had to finish that thing at night. So I really remember that outfit. I remember a lot of Beyonce, Destiny's Child, Destiny's Destiny Fulfilled Tour. I worked on that entire tour with Tina Knowles. I mean, every single outfit. I mean, so much work goes into those. I did Usher's concert tour. So there's a lot of, I mean, no, I guess I can't pick one. 
Heather, you've like literally done it all. I have, I have goosebumps when you're talking about that JLo look. I remember that JLo look uh, so vividly. Um, yeah. That's so amazing. Yeah. Heather, thank you so much for taking the time. This was truly a delight. Tell people where they can find your podcast, your social media, all that stuff. Yeah. So you can follow me at I am Heather T on social and the podcast is in my heart with, and it's Heather Thompson in my heart or just in my heart, Heather Thompson. And you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts, you know, Spotify, Apple, it's right there. Just search that up and yeah, go to heatherthompson.com and you can find out all the things that I'm doing. And are we going to see you pop up next season on Roni? I think they started filming. Can we get another cameo this year? Yeah, I think you can count on it. Ah, thank you, Heather. This was so much fun. Thank you for taking the time. Um, I love watching you and I'm just so uh, grateful you came on the show. So thank you. I have to tell you something you don't even know. So Andy, just because you deserve it. Andy and I were trying to come up with dates for um, him doing my podcast. And one of the dates that we fell on, he couldn't do it because he was doing yours. Oh, I'm so excited. So He's you coming arrived, on. baby. Oh, I, I can't <laughs> wait. I'm like nervous. I'm so nervous for Andy because, of course, you know, he's Andy. Um, Danny P, baby. You got it. He loves uh, you. He, oh, I mean, I love listen. Oh, thank you. You lift us you. up. You, you know, us housewives, you know what I mean? We got, we take beatings. So it's nice to have the fans who love us through thick and thin and the first to tell us that we're jerks and tell us that we're great. And some of the housewives get it, you know, like they, they like the humor and stuff. And then of course there's other housewives who, who don't feel that way, but I, I can speak for the Roni fans. It's like, Real Houses in New York, to me, I truly believe is like the greatest show on television. Like, there are problems. Of course, we'd like more diversity and stuff like that. But um, from an entertainment value, even this year in particular, I'm like watching and so grateful that we had this show in 2020, which is just a way for us all to escape. And so I'm so grateful to all of you ladies for your service. And I go back and watch the old seasons and everything. And, and yes. it, truly Roni's just the best. So, so thank well, you. Well, I guess we have to, with that closing, we have to give a nod to Ramona, Luann and Sonia for holding it up for all these years and keeping right. everybody coming back and being the true OGs. Yes, they're crazy, crazy, but we love watching them. Heather, thank you so much. Have a great day. And hopefully I'll get to meet you in person one of these days. Holla at me again soon, Danny. Holla. Bye, Mama. love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made 
for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y, dot com. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.